to the No BS Short-Term Rental Podcast, an unfiltered look into the global vacation and short-term rental industry. I'm Mateo Bradford. And I'm John Stokinger. And this is our podcast. We bring the right people to the table at the right time, giving you an inside view and take on the short-term rental industry like no other podcast can. Michael Golden, we are thrilled to have you on our podcast. Our first official guest, give it up. All right. I'm honored. I'm honored. Thanks for joining us, man. Uh, Appreciate the invite. Well, you know, a man that needs no introduction in the industry, but uh, for those of you who don't know Michael Golden, he is noise aware. He is the brand and uh, an industry legend. I would like to, as I would like to call him, uh, for as long as I've known him, as long as I've known the industry, Michael's been in this industry uh, and a significant force uh, and voice within the industry. And so, with that, you know, we are honored to have you and uh, have you talk with us today. So, thanks for jumping on, brother. First of all, you make me sound really old. Second of all, uh, I'd love to bring you everywhere and have you give that same introduction to. Everywhere I go, <laughs> not old. I, I think you need experienced, to... seasoned. There you go. Experienced doesn't equate to age. I, I need you to be my hype man, Teo. You know. Yeah, hey, no, I'm glad to. I, I am. Well, I'm, true, <laughs> but thinking, thinking it, thinking a hype man. If you think back in like the like hip hop in like early, you know, late '90s, I think the greatest hype man of all time, Send Dog, Cypress Hill. No. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna go with Flavor Flav. From yeah, Enemy, okay. Probably or some. Hey, Khaled. Insane. Got no brain. You know what? Khaled, Khaled, you got to give it up to Khaled too, because oh, Khaled transitioned because there was a hip hop kind of history. Transitioned the hype man role, like yeah. right. The DJ was always kind of quiet in the background. Khaled kind of brought that to the forefront for sure, and and took over those positions. So good call, Michael. Definitely a good call on that. Generation. Keeping it culturally relevant. <laughs> For everyone who wanted oh, to know man. and industry. Mateo's up there, but EJ politics. Someday. Someday. Goals. <laughs> Life goals. Let's uh let's chat re- revenge travel. Let's let's chat the 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 buzzword that that's that's been going around. It's it's the interesting thing. I heard it a few months ago, um, mm-hmm. and then you know, and it kind of died out, and then it's kind of starting to peak back up again. And I'm starting to see it in the news. Hashtag revenge travel. Hashtag, um, you know what, you know, and, and what exactly is revenge travel in your eyes, Michael? Yeah, I think there's there's kind of two ways you can segment revenge travel one is this this massive amount of pent-up demand where people are just gonna go on a spending spree and book first-class tickets to europe round trip and stay in a five-star hotel and you know really kind of do it right and make up for lost time and then there's the people that haven't been around folks. They've been in lockdowns, whether it's their state or their country, for way too long. And ultimately, as soon as they get together with some peers or some friends or some family, it's going to get wild and it's going to get rowdy. And we saw probably a, a taste of it last year around this time, around Memorial Day weekend. 
when things started to open up a little bit in Florida. Incidence rates went through the roof. Every other day, there was a story about a house party in there, in an Airbnb, in the news. Um, I mean, we saw some crazy things. There was pop-up strip clubs on the regular. It wasn't a one-off event. Charging, charging cover at the door. One of our property managers showed up to the door. The bouncer tried to pay him off, tell him to go away. <laughs> but like the, this is the kind of stuff that we're gearing up towards when lockdowns start to ease and people are trying to blow off steam that they haven't blown off properly in in a year, over a year. It's, it's uh... no, I was going to say it's interesting because in Atlanta we saw well we saw it early. You know, we saw and when I when I first like heard of revenge travel, it, it was interesting to me because I thought it was people that were traveling during the pandemic that were just saying, F it, I'm out, I'm going. And Atlanta was one of the hottest markets for that. Right. Miami, Atlanta, because of the lax restrictions in the city, you know, people didn't have to, you know, they did, but they didn't have to have parties in their rooms and strip clubs in their rooms because the clubs were open. Right. And the bars were open. They did it anyway. But you had this demographic that was just like, we're coming here. We're not from here. And we're going to do everything we can't do at home. And, you know, they did it here in Atlanta. And it was a problem throughout the city. Right. Um, <laughs> right in the middle of when we were building out short term rental regulations. So you got to love that. But uh, sidebar, um, it's interesting, though, like seeing people's attitudes about this this concept, because. I get what you're saying, and I think you're right, Michael. Like, I think all of the people who are responsible actors and, you know, did what they were supposed to do, stayed home, didn't travel, you know, they've hit that kind of threshold where now they're going to go wherever, and, you know, wherever they've dreamed of going. They probably saved money. And, you know, yes, there's going to be a luxury segment to it, too. But I also think that, and I'd love to get your opinion on this, too. I think it's going to be across the board. I think it's going to span the socioeconomic spectrum. I think anybody can travel, whether it's going to be, you know, local regionally. Some people are going to go to Bora Bora and Europe and all these other places. But I think Pigeon Forge, you know, Myrtle Beach and all these other places are going to see a huge uptick, too, especially in the summer months. Look at look at Miami in spring break. Look what happened. that happened there. I mean, it shut down the city. Yeah. And that was, yeah. that was, that isn't an upper echelon traveling, you know, that is college, you know, 20, 30, 30 somethings all just like, screw it. <laughs> we're going, we're going to Miami. And to enforce an 8 p.m. curfew. Yeah. And yeah. And absolutely shut the city down. And, you know, which is you know, great. You got, you got a lot of revenue coming in for, you know, for, for hospitality sector. But at the same time, when you shut the t city down at eight o'clock, you're losing out on a lot of that. So where's that happy medium? Well, I mean, a lot of those were, were driven into rentals, right? If you shut down the city, where do people go? I, and that's, that's part of what we saw a lot of last year. Um, the only place that people could gather comfortably was not in a bar, was not at a concert, was not at yeah, you know, strip club. It was in a rental, and and that it's it's this cycle that, that begins, like Mateo was saying, where regulations are starting to come in, and then they're looking at what's going on right now in the system or or in the city, and they say, well, we're having a house party every other night. It's in the news. Well, we need to ban short term rentals. Well, like it just 
it's this vicious, vicious cycle that continues on and is a black eye for the industry. Um, you know, I, I probably have a different take on it than a lot of people, uh, especially coming from my position at NoiseAware, but it's not the host's fault, usually. Right. Some hosts promote their properties as a party house. It's the guest's fault, and the guests need to be held, held accountable. Yeah. And too many municipalities, too many cities, too many platforms don't hold the guests accountable when it's, it's they're acting up, not property manager. And so. You bring, so that brings up a, a really interesting point too, right? Like, you know, thinking about it from an infrastructure standpoint, right? And looking at why is it that the, the homeowner is always penalized in that space or the, you know, the, the manager or whoever's owning the rental is always penalized in that space for what, you know, what the guests are doing. Um, I don't know why. I guess it's because of the responsibility of, you know, managing a place, right? Or, you know, the concept of managing typically falls on, you know, who is who is responsible for the, the, the unit. But again, you know, it's like, no, if, you like go, if you go to a hotel, you know, at the end of the day, the guest is, it's the guest issue. Yeah, you know, but when I was 22 throwing house parties at, at the house that I rented, like, mm -hmm probably my responsibility, right? It's not the landlord's. No, absolutely. Um, absolutely. So, and most 22-year-olds don't give a shit. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and yeah. so, so how, do you, how do you monitor that? And, and I know that's where you come in with NoiseAware and, you know, and, and there's other companies that, that are doing similar things and in, in monitoring and doing different things like that. But how does, like, I, my when I look at it too, you know, if I look at revenge travel and kind of take it a little different direction, is revenge travel? You know, I saw a, st a statistic that you know people are spending, or you know, because they've been pent up and there's pent up demand, they're they're looking to spend 140 to 150 percent more than they were spent last year and previously to get out and do this. And a lot of these people are doing it responsibly. Their families, they want to go ahead and travel. Europe is now opened up or they're talking about, I'm not sure if it's officially opened up uh, with, with the, uh, with the vaccine to us travelers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so they're, you know, revenge travel is, is a very positive thing too. Um, it's not like, I want to make sure that we're not just painting a negative picture of hashtag revenge travel or whatever we're doing here. Um, and so, you know, put yourself in the position of a PM that's going, wow, last year, you know, I was in a drive through destination last year and, you know, you know, we, we did, you know, 125%, you know, year over, you know, what we did back in, in 2019, um, because it opened up and everything was great, but now they're 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 looking at doing even greater. This is positive for them, and they're they're able to charge more, and they're able to do all these different things. So it's really positive for industry, and yet it's also that black eye you're talking about. Yeah, hundred percent. So as a traveler this year, be prepared to spend more money because everything costs more. Sure. Um, it, it, and then layer on top of that, stimulus checks and people not spending their travel budget last year, people, people are willing to spend more money. Um, that said, people also care a little bit less. Like I deserve this. I deserve to be able to do what I want. Entitlement. 
Yeah. Well, no, they feel like they sacrificed, right? Like exactly. they, they feel like I did the right thing. Well, some did the right things. And, you know, that, that we a lot was asked of people over this last year. And, you know, I think the gross majority did, you know, kind of lock it down and do the responsible things. It, even if they, you know, traveled like regionally, like everybody was typically very careful and, and locked down in a space. So it brings up kind of my next question, too, is like, how are we going to see this? Michael, like, is this, you yeah. know, do you think it's going to be hyper, hyper regional? You think people are going to really just, because again, there's, you, you can go luxury and still go to Pigeon Forge, right? Or go to your local, go to something that's within, you know, a two to three mile, two to three hour driving radius of where you are. Um, you know, yeah. what is this going to look like? What are your thoughts on that? So cities are prepared for partiers. That's what people go to cities to do, to eat, drink, and be merry. These destination markets aren't built for what happened to them last year and what's going to happen to them this year. They, they're used to the Orlando, Florida, the Kissimmee's. We only ever have family travelers. And then there's a pop-up strip club there. And there's a house party with 200 people there. And there's helicopters flying over that's making global news because right. that place right. is a house party. Right. So we're, what, what's happening is people that have never had this noise party parking trash issue before yeah. it is being exacerbated right now. Uh, we've got a pilot with the city of La Quinta going on right now. Yep. And during COVID in July last year or August, I can't remember which month they had a 270% increase in noise complaints during the height of COVID in California. Right. Like California is shut. <laughs> right. But they had a massive increase in issues. Um, so cities, locations that haven't had this problem before are starting to experience it. And, and it goes to what we're saying, right? Because La Quinta is one of those drive-in markets in Southern California. So you can get to from San Diego, for those who don't know, or L.A., and, you know, that's what people did. I mean, how many people did you talk to that were like, oh, I'm in Idlewild or, oh, I'm in Big Bear. Or, oh, I'm in these other places because California Ridge. was yeah. locked down or Blue Ridge or wherever they were. They got out. They're like, I'm not staying at home. So, so it's interesting to see how that uh, how that played out. The other thing I really I, I'd love to get you guys both your feedback on is also it's like the infrastructure. Right. Like when when things shut down, you know. You know, changes have been made. COVID protocols are, have been put in place in a lot of, of different areas. But is the industry ready for this mass reopening in, in, in the mass travel that's about to come? From from my experience and where I'm managing now, it's 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 a uh, it's a it's a real topic. Um, you know, for those who've been able to operate through the pandemic, I think they'll be better off. But for those who've had the mothball and, and are actually kind of reopening, you know, are they going to be ready for the scale? Uh, that they're getting for these travelers. So I, I think this is where the divergence of short term rentals and, and hotels kind of is going to be uh, under the microscope. Short term rentals had a pretty decent year for the most part last year. They didn't have to lay off as much staff. Hotels are not going to be ready. Okay. Like 70, 80% of staff in hotels were laid off. And now you're having to try and hire these people, train them before peak season, like throw them into the fire, good luck. So the cream's gonna rise to the top. And I think same on the vendor side, same on the PM side, the the good operators are gonna show their worth over the next three, four, five months. 
whereas the bad ones are going to go away. Um, and the people who invested in technology and automation and making sure they're ready for scale and, and to be hit by the storm, pun in, no pun intended, like mm -hmm. those are going to be the, the clear and outright winners. Whereas the folks that did mothball their hotel or that eliminated all their staff last year and now they're trying to bring them on board and train them up, it's going to be a long year for those folks. Yeah, yeah that, and that brings up a great point, Michael, is you have to look at the staff and you have to look at all these different markets and where the, the government has come in and it's made it advantageous for, and I don't want to say lower end staff, but for the hardworking cleaning staff, the maintenance staff, the, the staff that could that might not be making as much as, say, as a manager or someone else to just go back and get a nice check every month to not work and so now they're in a position you're you're either have a few homes and you're you're doing your own airbnbs and you're you're using an outside housekeeping vendor or you're a large pm and, you, and you're taking care of them you're trying to staff internally or still use vendors the, the the workers aren't there they're not coming back in droves i mean we see it on the hospital you know the hotel side for sure but we're seeing it you know i'm talking to different pms in different markets are like man, I'm, we're having staffing issues right now because it's just, I, we, I can't pay them enough. They're making more not working right now. Yeah. It's a huge issue. And with this insurgence or resurgence of travel and this the revenge travel is, that is happening now and it's just going to continue to exponentially get bigger unless we can go ahead and figure out how to pay and take care of these cleaners and the, you know, the, the hardworking staffs that are truly make these businesses run, we're going to run into an issue there as well. Yeah. I mean, you see it all over social media. I don't know where, I know Georgia's opened up. I don't know if Indiana's opened up or not, but you go to yeah. restaurants, they're all understaffed. So like there's signs that say, please be patient with us. Yep. We're hiring. Like, but people aren't going to have that kind of um, slack for somewhere they're spending $500 a night on. Like they expect that place to be clean. They expect to be able to get into it whenever they want to and leave whenever they want to. Like yeah. they expectations are going to be high because they haven't traveled in a year. Absolutely. And, and so it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how companies handle it, how travelers handle it. Um, and ultimately like this is a, a really interesting social test that's happened around the world the past year. Who, who handles things in certain ways, who's done better or worse. But ultimately, like, uh, we're, we're, we're about to get hit with a, a massive wave and it's going to be another test, like, who, who can handle it? No, I, think, I think that's I, you're, at, you're spot on. Um, who can handle it? You know, in the short-term space, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see, I think you mentioned it earlier too, with the way that the prices are rising. Right. Um, you know, the cost of everything is rising. So prices are going to rise. Is that going to also translate into, you know, higher salaries? Because I think what we've been talking about in the space with people not working and, you know, being compensated not to work. Well, we all know that's not lasting forever. Right. Like at the end of the day. But what are people going to be coming back to? And, you know, high prices now may be good for people trying to recoup losses and stuff from the past year. But is it going to be sustainable? 
right? Yeah. And then are you, you know, again, you may riot raise your prices, there may be a wave, you know, where does it plateau? Like, where do we get back to kind of that, that area where it's, they can bring the staff on, they can pay them accordingly, and they're still being able to generate a price point that still brings in the demand that they need to, yeah. to keep that staff on. And, and I mean, I think things like that. money aside, the there's another issue that like people that are living paycheck to paycheck had to go get jobs. So yeah, right. they might not even be in the industry. They might not have the desire to come back to the industry mm-hmm. because during COVID, they lost their job. They were without it for six, eight months, and then they found something else. They went another yeah. direction. Yeah. So, Sorry, this is very similar. You know, in Fort Wayne, I live in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Um, you know, prior to COVID, I can get an Uber. I can go ahead and get a lift and do whatever I want to do. It's super simple, and I can get to the airport and, and travel how I travel. Um, COVID hit, and now, now you know, obviously everything shut down and all that Uber all those Uber drivers and they, they went to Amazon delivery. They went to Uber eats. They went to all these other things. And now that we're opening back up again, I flew out to Breck last week and, you know, to Colorado, I couldn't even get an Uber from my house in Fort Wayne. I had to call a taxi because there's no one available, you know? So again, to, to your point, that transition to survive, you know, we're everyone's sitting here you know, working on survival instincts. We got to take care of our families. We got to do what we need to do, mm-hmm. and you know, it's not it's not as simple as oh, we'll just transition to back what I was doing previously to that because it might not be as good a gig, you know. Yeah. Well, I think it's interesting too. So you look at the other aspects of the industry, like rental cars. I, have you? I, I don't know if you guys are aware, like, of the crisis going on in the rental car world, but. We actually lived it this weekend. Um, I had a friend in town and could not get a rental car for three days. He went to he went to pick one up on Saturday morning, and there was literally a line of a hundred people. You know, his pickup time was at eleven. People had been there since like seven thirty, and he just canceled it. He could not get a rental car. None of the off none of the off airport locations had them. The airport was the only place that had them and had them in a very very limited supply, and it was ridiculous. I've never seen anything like it. Dude, I heard in Hawaii that a Toyota Camry is going for $700 per day. Mm-hmm. So people are actually going and renting U-Hauls yes, to drive around on vacation because it's cheaper than renting right. a Toyota Camry. I, I, can you imagine someone driving around in a U-Haul with like, what do you got in the back? Oh, just the kids and the dog. Yeah, my floaties. Going to the beach. <laughs> got the beach chairs in back. You got the coolers. The kids sitting in back there. Yeah, just so, drop, drop it off at ballet. Like, they, take care. Of it. <laughs> go ahead, take take care of this. Here's here's an extra five for the trouble parking in U-Haul. But I but I think that brings up a good point. Like, and, and I think that goes back to like the infrastructure when people start to travel. Are these things, especially in tra- in the traditional hospitality space, are they going to be ready? You know, again, like, is there really, why is there a rental car shortage? Is it an operations issue? Is it a, is it staffing? They, they went into to sec, uh, to uh, bankruptcy and yeah. they had to sell off a bunch of cars. Yeah. So uh, infrastructure's not there. <laughs> yeah, right. And they, they've reduced hours, they've cut employees, all of those things in that space. Uh, you know, from what I've seen, have contributed to, the, contributed to that. Um but I think, and that's one aspect of us, but I, I, you know, I'd be interested to hear, like, where do you guys think the other places, you know, in, in the space right now are going to suffer? 
uh, or gonna or str- gonna not suffer, but struggle, um, you know, to to get back to some type of normalcy. I mean, there's things that that are super surprising still happening. We we've got a few of our employees going to the home office this week in Dallas, and yeah. we always try and rent from our customers, right? So we've got you know, Front Desk or Guild or Saunders or mm-hmm. things that we can use in Dallas, and, and we always try and support them. It's what Tuesday. Thursday, something Tuesday. like that. Tuesday, I think, so. I think it's a Tuesday, maybe. <laughs> so during the week, you know, in April, these things are booked out. Like yeah. that's unheard of. They they wouldn't have been booked out in 2019. Yeah. So it's crazy how much demand there is for a midweek stay, kind of pseudo during COVID in Dallas. Mm-hmm. Um, for for short term rentals, so. Right. But but if you want to go to that short that that hotel, you go and and you use an app and you can find something dirt cheap. Yeah. So yeah. Are you going to risk it? So it brings up another great aspect of revenge travel. Is there an aspect of business revenge travel? Uh, I was I was watching CNBC yesterday and they had a whole segment on that talking about people being vaccinated now and a little bit of that pent up hey. Are you vaccinated? Well, I'm vaccinated. So, hey, let's let's go have this business meeting. Let's go have this business dinner. I, I know I'm traveling. Uh, I know, John, you're traveling now. Uh, Michael, you're traveling as well. Um, all for the business side of what we're doing. You know, is that going to be a part of this? And, and how yeah. has the culture changed around that? It's, it's, I think people are expecting slower than, uh, than I am on the business travel return. It's kind of the first domino to fall. As soon as I start traveling, our competitors are going to start traveling. Or as soon as they start traveling, I'm going to start traveling. Right. But if you layer in this remote work, NoiseWare hasn't hired anybody in Dallas since COVID started. We've just hired people in Austin or Denver or LA or San Diego. Like, so when we have meetings, people need to travel now when previously they didn't. So there's actually potential for more business travel in the future than less. And you know, all these experts are predicting two or three years to, re- to have business travel return. I'm not in America, maybe globally. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've been on, I haven't really stopped. I mean, I took like, I think I took seven months off in the, you know, without, but, but I would still with Florida being open and doing what they do, I'm still able to go, you know, was able to go and, and travel to Florida and do it and, and visit with, with uh, prospects and clients. Um, and then now, you know, I, I see the same thing you're talking about with, you know, with us hiring at, at TravelNet, you know, again, tons of remote hires, but you know, wh- when do we want to go ahead and have, whenever we want to go ahead and bring people in to actually meet in person. Yeah, you're right. Now, now instead of bringing flying two or three people in, you're flying 10, 12 people in uh, for that, for that on-site meeting in the, which in turn, which can go ahead. I think there's a, uh, a real niche market for like in like a small corporate events that are, you know, like, um, like not necessarily, um, you know, conferences, but how do you go ahead and you open up those spaces for those corporate get togethers that are specifically for that one, you know, which they couldn't necessarily fit now in their, their home office because they might've downsized 
because you don't need to go ahead and have that footprint anymore because everyone's remote and they might only be coming back at 50% in office and not make, you know, it's interesting. It's just, I just love the evolution and and where everything is is going. And And, and that's, that's where kind of the flexible housing or, or a part hotel piece comes into play. Yeah. Like if you have to spend more than one or two nights somewhere, I want a fridge. I want uh, a hot plate. I want my own bedroom, like separate from a living room. And, and you only get that in rentals. But what's what's also happening in a lot of properties is they're building an office space because people yeah. needed to get out of their room. So you can ultimately book a small conference room at a, in a part hotel or at a multifamily building or whatever to to accommodate these kind of smaller team gatherings which is going to be the future of, of business travel so previously you only had the road warriors the guys like john and mateo and myself who were, were out and about every other week for 52 weeks out of the year and now you're going to have the accountant traveling and you're going to have you know the marketing manager traveling because they're remote and you have to bring your teams together several times a year for for basic collaboration right um it it even opens up that whole you know now we're talking about short-term rentals and and how do you know how do these you know the airbnbs the verbos and the pms how do you go ahead and market towards the business traveler as well mm -hmm. it's a whole different you know and, and we're seeing that a lot. These the short-term rentals are going ahead and, and marketing and, and transforming their spaces to have that office, to have mm-hmm. that, you know, we've seen it for this past year, you know, to make sure that you can go and do the the works, the workations or whatever they're calling them today. Well, the smart people, I think, are going to partner with like the WeWorks, right? Because if you look at where WeWorks are in their traditionally around areas where I was at one, in one last Friday, that was it right in the mix of a lot of short-term rentals. And so, you know, I think they'll partner in that space and, and say, hey, stay here, work here. Um, because the WeWork I was in was completely empty and was perfect for hosting like things that we were just talking about. And for the managers, it's a no brainer to build a relationship like that because you don't have to invest in infrastructure and other things to build out a meeting space. You're just taking advantage of proximity. So right. uh, yeah. building those relationships. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I guess key takeaways from revenge travel from, from my opinion is short-term rentals are set up for a lot of success if they laid the right groundwork during the downtimes, the slow times. Markets that have never had issues before are having issues. And actually, five minutes ago, while we're, we're recording this, another city reached out to us asking how our system works and how it can help yeah. their, their community. Second one this week, they right. reached out to us. Uh, it's a trend that's certainly yeah. snowballing. So you're getting markets that are trying to figure out, we rely on rentals, but but the neighbors still like there has to be a balance of good rental practices while still allowing short term rentals. Um, and then you know the the business piece of, of revenge travel. I am so pent up and ready to just yeah. jump out of a cannon and, and go on every <laughs> business trip ever. So yeah. I, I think you know from that standpoint, uh, I'm ready to go. I, I've got a bachelor party this weekend in New Orleans too, so that'll be fun. There you go. Uh, yeah here we come 
<laughs> Lam- I hope you got your, your card laminated. <laughs> else. New Orleans, I don't well, man, <laughs> Yeah. Well, man, this has been awesome, man. Thank you for taking the time to come out and talk with us this week. You know, thank you for being our first uh, official guest on, on the podcast. I know this will not be your last time here with us. Uh, we hope that you'll, you'll come back often uh, and provide your perspective. Uh, but this has been great. So, man, thank you. Love it. Best hype man in the business and the easiest conversation I've had on a podcast. So awesome, man. That's what that's it, it was super great having you on our, our show. Thanks so much. Thanks, guys.